Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. How can one not feel the presence of God when you listen to that Little Falls band? How can a pastor not love the music of his band when I see what I see, when I experience what I experience? The sound, the music, the commitment, the unity, the love of God connecting us with heaven. Thank you to Little Falls Band. Did you know that Little Falls Christian Center has a powerful app? You can actually listen to that music on the app. Did you know that? Did you know you can, you can listen to heart to heart? You can, you can find out everything. In fact, there are Bibles in there. There's an audio Bible in there. It, it's just the thing is so comprehensive. I said to somebody the other day, you can't go through the app in three hours. There's so much food on that app to sustain you in your daily walk that like, I mean, three hours definitely too short. I mean, how long does it take you? 72 hours to read through the Bible. It takes me about yeah, 72 hours that I'm through the Bible. And, and you know, if you, you think about it, how long is that alone? And it's on the app and the music and the, the sermons and all the other departments. Etembeni is there and it goes on. You just take a look. It's like having, it's the church in your pocket. And that's how close we want to be with you and God. I want, it's God's church and you the church and your church in your pocket. Because if you belong to the body of Christ, you are part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have faith in him and you believe in him with all of your heart, and you've turned away from evil, you committed your life to Jesus, and he wrote your name, you asked and prayed that he would write your name in the book of life, repented of sin, you come and life begins to change. There's a man by the name of Jacob. Father, bless this word now in Jesus Christ's name. There is a man by the name of Jacob. I stood at his tomb, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's, the three tombs of them in the city of Hebron, on uh, the south side of Jerusalem, south of Jerusalem, and uh, of the tribe of Judah. King David reigned there for seven years. And there you have the cave of Machpelah, and uh, in that particular cave was buried the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we have Jacob and Leah. You have uh, you have Isaac and uh, Rebecca, and you have got Abraham and Sarah, and of course Rachel's tomb uh, is uh, between um, uh, Bethlehem, Bethlehem, house of bread, the house of bread, and uh, Jesus being the bread of life, and Jerusalem, the city of peace. And uh, so it's it's, an, it's Israel is just an incredible place to go to and to see what what I mean. It's it, it's like seeing the Bible in picture, the real thing. Now, God has a way of determining the future of people. I spoke to my staff a little bit about this this week, but it's amazing. I keep on using two words, insight and foresight. When you get insight by revelation of what God does in our lives and the reality of God, where there is a sudden reality check and God's in your life and God begins to communicate with you, and that reality hits you so hard that you wonder, how could I have been a wind chaser and not a kingdom of God seeker? 
How could I have gone for the storm, chasing the storm till the storms hit me and not focus fully and surrender to God and be a kingdom seeker? I wasted time in my life and I'm sorry for not preaching the gospel since birth. I wish I could and I would if it was in any way possible. But of course, we know that is not possible. So um, God changes us and then it's got like a domino effect, like a reverberating effect, like a stone in the water with the ripples flowing out. God starts with Abraham. Abraham has a son called uh, Isaac, Yitzhak. And uh, Yitzhak or Isaac has a wife, Raquel, Rachel. Uh, no, I'm, I'm uh, Rebecca. Uh, and, uh, and Rebecca and, and the two of them have two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau despises his birthright. Jacob gets it by making a swap for a bowl of soup, lentil soup, for uh, his birthright. And of course, he couldn't get it back. And of course, God's blessing then went with Jacob. Jacob became Israel. And so Isaac calls in Jacob and says to Jacob, listen, I want you to go to uh, the family out on the other side of the Jordan. Find yourself a woman, not one of the Canaanite women. Find yourself a wife from there, from where the family dwells at the house of uh, Laban. Go there. So he goes out there, he works for Laban, and he marries two wives, uh, uh, Rachel and Leah, and of course with their concubines, and you see the whole birth of a nation taking place there, and they return to the promised land. So of course I don't know the starting point where he goes from, where he travels from, whether it was from, uh, you know, uh, Hebron, or it came from the place of the Oath, which is Beersheba in the south, the well of the seven oaths of his father Abraham. He leaves, I think, from Hebron, and he goes towards Laban's house. But he passes through the land of Canaan, and of course he stops at a place which is formerly known as Luz. Luz is a place where um, the word Luz means being twisted. It means corruption. It means, it's actually like a word for evil. Like go, you're in the dictionary and uh, quickly uh, go and see here the word lose. It means craftiness, cunningness. It means crooked. It means devious. It means twisted. And uh, it means to practice deviation uh, from God where people turn from God and they deviate off the straight and narrow and they, they, they're living in darkness. A place of, you could almost say, of the land of Canaan. And you know Canaan, because of Noah, cursed be Canaan. Canaan came there with a curse on him. It was a land with a curse upon it. And Jacob goes to sleep there. He would, he would raise up the 12 sons of Jacob, would become Israel, and that nation would inherit the land. And so he sleeps there at this place called Luz. And he has the vision. He looks up at, at, at heaven and he sees a ladder coming down from heaven and he sees God at the top of the ladder and he sees the Almighty standing there and he sees this amazing vision and he sees 
on this ladder, which is actually in the Hebrew a stairway, which is like a spiral coming down and angels going up and down. He's an amazing thing and God speaks to him and he's there. He's absolutely stunned by what he has seen that he changes the name after that to, to uh, Bethel or Beit El, which means the house of God, because he says, surely this has got to be the house of God. This is not just any place. And then he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth. This ladder is the word salam, which is a, a spiral staircase set up on earth and it stopped reached to the heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac and the land on which you lie. I'll give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. An amazing, amazing word that we find here. And then, of course, we see that he wakes up. He rose early in the morning after God had communicated with him, communicated with him, and he makes a vow first to God. He said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? From a place called Luz, which is corruption, and, and being twisted out of the will of God off the straight and narrow. He moves in there. And it's my dream for everybody who listens to me now that wherever you go, you will change. You will change your environment also. That it's not just an ordinary place. God will bless the company you work for because of you, because of your commitment to God. God will bless your company, like the house of Potiphar that was blessed just because of a young man called Joseph that, that was there. God would bless you out of your socks because of you may whatever you work for prosper and so that you will increase. He came in there, he came to lose, which is crooked and twisted and deceptive. And there's all this idolatry going on there. He has a meeting with God. It becomes a portal to heaven. It's a place at Bethel. I was standing there and here I brought the three stones I picked up from there. You can see the color of the stones. I'll hold it a little bit closer to the, to the, to the camera. You can see that color. And uh, okay, yes, two. I, I just picked up. I felt I went on my knees. I made a prayer there. And then I picked up three stones. And here is another one, and I'll hold this up to you as well. If you look at this camera, you might just see that it is colored. If you look closely, if you took a close-up shot, you'll see that that color in it is the color of blood. It's like a covenant place. I looked at that, and I put it to the church. I introduced it to the church the first time. I said, church, take a look at this. And I put it in the oil because Jacob anointed the stone where he was sleeping. Well, I had a piece of the stone where he was sleeping. I put oil on it and I looked at it again. And what did I see? On that stone, there appeared a red line. And it was like, you can actually see it on the camera. You see that red line that's there. And you can literally see how that there's a change. And I immediately thought of blood and I thought of covenant and God had a, a covenant with Abraham and, and that covenant went through Yitzhak or Isaac. It came to Jacob. He got the, the firstborn rights and, and he sleeps there and the whole place is metamorphosized. The whole place is changed. A place where you put and you make a landing just to sleep. 
the place becomes blessed because of you. The place becomes Beit El or Bethel, house of God. It's a portal. We call it, call it portals to heaven. I stood there. I looked up straight at the sky when I was there because I realized I'm standing right at the point of one of the biblical portals of the Bible, like the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. I knew this is the place where God communicated. And I then bowed down and I prayed on my knees right there on the same stone as a big flat stone. That is the stone that is uh, the archaeologist clearly identified. This is where Jacob lied down to sleep. So I was on that stone. I bowed down, picked up three stones from it and spent some time just communicating with God. And I thought, oh, my Lord. And then when I showed the church, I saw the red light and I thought of the covenant of, of God with Abraham. And I thought, my goodness, Lord, is it so that even the stone reflects the color of blood? Isn't it an amazing sight? This mere place that is a place of idolatry changed like that. It becomes a place of divine worship. I remember that it is our responsibility to become witnesses for Jesus Christ. I mean, if I say I am a Christian, then I have to ask myself, what sort of Christian are you? Do you shine as light? Do you carry out the message of Jesus Christ? Is there anything about you, anything about your life, about, about the way you live life that makes make people just come up to you and say, you got something about you that I don't see, you know? I've had that happen to me and to the point of like almost, almost, and I'm saying it with a smile, like you would call it embarrassing, but it wasn't embarrassing when it took place. I went to America and uh, during one of my visits there, I, I stopped at a shopping shopping mall to get some bread and whatever it was that we needed, food and so, foodstuffs. And Morton and went into the, into the shop and I sat on a little chair outside, like in the foyer of, of this entrance of the, of this mall, massive, uh, shopping mall there. And as I was sitting, uh, there came some people, they were going to and fro and suddenly there came a little lady and she was a little Chinese lady and she stopped and I felt she looked at me and I felt uncomfortable. She kept looking at me. And she came for me. I thought, oh, my goodness, what have I done now? I'm just sitting here. I'm just minding my own business. And this lady says, I can't forget it. She says, you're a servant of God. I said, yes, I am. She said, you're a pastor. I said, yes, I am. And then she went on her knees. She went on her knees and she said, then please pray and bless me in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I belong to Jesus Christ also. And I said, don't bow to me, but bow to God for sure and I will bless you. And in front of me was this little girl, lady, and I put my hand on her head and I blessed her in the name of the Almighty God through Jesus Christ the Lord. And she went with a bigger smile. Now, in the meantime, more than them were coming from the from the inside by the tills, and they were looking out the door, and they saw saw this whole thing happening, and thought, "Who's that woman there? What's happening there?" And of course, she went inside. This has happened to me a few times. 
that I'm in a place where people say that. And I'm thinking, what's the point of believing in God and making no impact on your personal environment? What is it that the devil succeeded in, in causing people to shut their lips and not testify of Jesus? It's like I look for the opportunity of saying, Lord, I want this person to meet you. I look for it. And sometimes it's not quite the right moment, but sometimes the right moment comes. One of the habits I had often, I would go in a restaurant and I would at the restaurant say to the lady, what is your name? And I want them, or the man, what is your name? The one that serves the table. They would say to me their name and I would say, all right, um, your name is, and I would immediately in my head start rolling over from the English uh, or whatever language the name is from. I would take that language construct and I would trans translate it into Paleo-Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, and I bring the pictographic analysis of what that name is all about. And I say, what your, do you know what your name means? And this person, man or woman, would say, no, I don't know. And I say, your name means this, this, and this, and therefore this will happen to you because every time you say your name or somebody calls you by your name, they're making a proclamation, a decree. That is your name. And that is what your name stands for. That's your life. See? And I lay it out for them like that, and they, they just, I could see it changes their lives. And I, like I always jokingly said, I get the best milkshake that you can imagine, best breakfast or whatever I have, because they love just the love of God. What is it, my dear friends, that make, makes us make a landing anywhere and not make the people God aware because of whom and what we are. When we sit at a table and we all take hands and we pray over that meal and we bless that meal and let the whole restaurant know we are praying over the food that we're about to receive. I don't even look who's looking and who's not looking. I couldn't be bothered because I want them to become God aware. And I know that when we pray, the Holy Spirit is there. And Jacob makes a landing and he says, you know what, Lord? He says, he says, these words, Genesis 28, 18, he says, then Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that he put his head on and he set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it. The stone with a red line on in the olive oil, it's soaked in olive oil from Shiloh. In fact, Shiloh is just stones throw down the road there towards the north. And he called the place of that name Bethel, which now becomes the house of God. So he changes the meaning, even the meaning of where he settles down. He says, no, no longer lose. No, 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 no. This is Beit El. How awesome is this place? I want you to know that God, if you really commit your life to God, and you move in anywhere, you change your environment. And that's the whole purpose of, of, of the Bible. Let your light shine so before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. There must be no two hoots about it, so to speak, about what and who you are. Your faith is not 
You know, faith is, is not just a matter of saying, I have faith. Faith comes into its fullness when it's being tested and refined as gold. When people have nothing else to do but to believe God for just that miracle. And they pray and he does according to his will always, of course. But I've seen him raise people off the deathbed, even now in this COVID period. I prayed for people that they were desperate. I prayed till I thought my throat was, was, was coming undone. I'm telling you now. And Mort said, you know, the people, I told you this before, two, two houses from here could have heard you pray now. I don't care. I pray for a person. The person is on the edge of death with the COVID and I just let go and I pray and I loose the power of scripture. One that comes always to mind these days, Jeremiah 33, 6, that says, I will give it health and healing. You know, and I, I think, you know, I will give it, I will heal you and I will restore you. Just go read that verse. It's a beauty. Jeremiah 33, verse 6. And I think to myself, yes, Lord, you said I will. Jesus said, I will be healed. I say, I will also. I connect my will to your will. Now, all that remains for me now is to take this book, the word of God, and say, Lord, according to your will that is written in this book, the word of God, here's another one, and there's another one. I'm surrounded by them always. And I say, Lord, according to your will, do this miracle. Now, there are times, and there are times when God do take, does take people home. And it's the time that he has determined beforehand for their lives to end. And we know that. And we need to rest in that. But we, sh we need to understand we should not have no hope as the Gentiles do. The Goyim that are without God, without hope. They're just living. They're chasing the storm. They're chasing the wind and they arrive in the storm. And then comes the rubble from everywhere, all kinds of refuse. And it's flying and it hits them. And a, and a millionaire becomes a zero near because they're chasing wind instead of chasing God, seeking the kingdom of God. I think there was a book called The God Chasers. That's what we ought to be. Holy Spirit seekers, kingdom of God seekers. We need to be focused on God. And so much so need to be that focus and the power and the volume of that prayer, the intensity and the seriousness of that prayer that the gates of hell itself will be shaken and will not prevail and the demons will flee as it's written. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil and he will flee. I want to tell you something. You need to be a changer of your environment. So changing that you become contagious because of your testimony. Ask me about healing miracles. I could go and write a book on it now. I know I can't countless I've seen in my life. God do countless miracles. You know, you want to say to me, do you believe in Jesus? It's not even a case of asking me the question, what do you know and what do you want to know about Jesus? The mere fact that you're asking me, do you believe? I want to tell you, yes, I do. And I want to tell you, you've got a motive for asking me, do you really believe? And I'll tell you why. And I'll give them a thousand readers reasons. I'll quote scriptures. I'll go on. And if I have to go through all the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, I will do it, lay it out. It'll take some time though, but I will take any person on that road. Because I'm committed to that. You need to be a situation changer. You need to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. 
You need to walk and cast all your burdens upon the Lord for he takes care of you. You must know that all things work together for good to those who love God. When the disciples were in the boat, they were on the water and Jesus in the back of the boat, he's tired and he's sleeping and the, and the boat is taking water and they see the storm. They only see the storms. Now the storm has struck them. They forgot who's in the boat. And you know, they react as if he's not there at all. I see Christians doing it. When the trouble begins, you saw it, I don't, umpteen times in this last period of time, how people seek some other solution. When the solution is straight in front of their nose, it's the kingdom of God is at hand. If you reach out and touch the Lord, and if you pray, he comes down. And if you worship, he really comes down. And you get somebody to pray with you, and then he's there. And if you persist and you endure with endurance, he changes you, but he begins to change the people. And people walk past my office. And a man is feeling sick, and I'm still studying at the university and uh, doing a worldly job. And uh, a man comes walking, and he gets a speed wobble. He's a sickly man. I didn't even know what was wrong with him. But he gets a speed wobble, and he stops, and he looks, and he, he, he's blinking with his eyes, and he looks, looks at me, and he comes walking into the office, and he says, I walk past your office door. I had the most severe pains. The veins in my leg, our legs are blocked. Look at this. He lifted his, the pants, and I could see above his socks. It was purple in color. I looked at his legs. He says, I got such pains in my legs. I, I'm telling you now, and I walked past, and I had this headache, and I had this and that. And he says, I'm telling you now, I walked past your office door. And what is it about you? And I said, let me first lead you to the one who does this. I had him make a quick com commitment to Jesus. There's always something on my table. I want to tell you something. There is never, never go into an office without one of these being around or more. I have them everywhere around me. I carry them on my cell phone. I have it all the time available. I can search any scripture if I need to. Search the Greek and Hebrew dictionaries if I need to. I can do it immediately. It's on the app now too. My dear friend, he, he said to me, I led him actually to the Lord. And then I said to him, now let me pray about this situation of you. Now there was a couch because I was a senior officer at that time of, in that, those days, the SABC. And uh, as a senior officer of the SABC, I had certain perks and I had special offers. It was a nice place to be there. And uh, I remember that uh, I actually, maybe I could, I could just take this out if I'm able to take this out, but I want to take this out and if I succeed, I'll show you. Oh, yes, here you are. There's my little card still. That goes back, way back to 1985-84. It's, it's what I was. Then I, there's an administrative manager, Radio Eiffelt and Radio 5, and South African Broadcasting Corporation. That was what I was. Till Jesus came, my life changed. This man walked into my office. And you know what happened to that man? You know what happened to that man? At that time, that man was hit so hard with the power of the Holy Spirit that it took him off his feet. Fortunately, I, had, I was talking about the perks. I had a, a huge couch, like a bench, that you're very comfortable for just relaxing with a mug of coffee at lunchtime or whatever. 
And uh, he fell back and he fell on that thing. And there he was lying as a dead man. I walked up to him. I took him by the hand. I pulled him up and I said, stand up. And he, he stood there and he was, he was shaking. And he says, what's just happened to me? He says, I have not a single pain in all my body. Those pains that sometimes they would even now apply morphine because how bad it was. Because they want to take his legs off ultimately. They have to because there's no circulation. The pain is gone. Do you know that that man stood there? He was stunned. He staggered out the office. Only a day or two later, just let him go. Only a day or two later, he came back to the office. He said, I want to show you something. He pulled up his pants above his socks, and his legs were the normal color that the color of flesh should be. You arrive in a place. You're a Christian. You have the light of life. You have the answer. You have the solution. You're part of the, 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 the solution to whatever the problem is. You and, you've got an answer because you know the word of God. You can, you can be contagious and you can, you can be a soul winner for Christ. You can be a fisher for men. What is it that stops this world of Christians that they don't open up their mouths and pray to start off with? And secondly, let the power of God completely come upon them. And when they fill with the Holy Spirit, just speak up. And people need Jesus. I'm going to close with these, these words. You know, I've been walking around by occasion because these days you kind of in a state where you're walking around and, and you can't really go, you know, to many places. So go to a local store, go and get some stuff and the Lord wants to uh, get bread or milk or whatever the case may be. And uh, I would just walk and look at the people. I'd see fear in their eyes. And you know what I'm seeing? It's like I'm looking at skeletons, like a person that's a corpse that is alive. It's, it's like a corpse that's walking and the person's alive, but the person's dead. Jesus said, let the dead go bury the dead. And I would know there goes one, there goes another one, there goes another one. Until a little old lady comes up to me and say, Pastor Harold, now they recognize you with the mask. I didn't recognize her but I didn't really know the woman. She introduced herself to me. And I think to myself, you know what? People know you. What is it? Isn't it the presence of God? Shouldn't you have the presence of God? What stops you and these lips that the creator created you with and the tongue and the breath and the Holy Ghost and the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. People are running after all kinds of prophecies. Listen, you, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. These things of the world that I had in my life, I was no longer a world chaser. I was a kingdom of God seeker with all my heart. Still am to this day, will always be. I know that wherever I land, my first intention will be to change that place so that that place becomes filled with believers that believe God like I believe God, that they may be blessed and the kingdom of God might be expanded. One life can't change it. All the lives put together will have a massive impact on planet Earth in a time of tribulation. Thank you, Father, 
for the inspiration that you put upon us. Joseph changed the house of Potiphar. Joseph even changed the whole prison system of his time when he got cast into prison and he's sitting there in the penitentiary and and, and, and he's innocent and, and you blessed him there and you blessed that place and you blessed the whole of Egypt because of one righteous man, you changed nations. You changed things because of one person who's a believer. Lord, now I pray for boldness of all your people watching me. I raise my hands toward them and I pray for boldness to testify of Jesus Christ in whatsoever way even their lives must show it. I pray, Lord, that you unzip their lips, open their minds, the eyes of their understanding. Let them know that they will say, this is no longer lose, this is This is the house of God. This is Beit El. And wherever I go. And then he made a vow. And he said, Lord, if you'll keep me, I will serve you. And then of all that you give me, I will give you a tithe. And he makes a vow even of his tithing. There we see it at Beit El. And I want to be like that. I want to be like that. But I ultimately want to be like Jesus. And I would fail miserably if people cannot see that in my life. And that goes for every believer who's born again. Unseal their lips. Grant them boldness to testify. Bring upon them the spirit of prayer. And cause your people to step up as the light of the world, as the salt of the earth. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.